and he looks like he had to like stand up and go like, "Hey guys, uh, my finger's still out of the socket. Somebody yeah. want to come here?" They thought he was saying "screw you," and they're like, "All right, fine. You put your finger back together." He's like, "No, I'm just trying to show you <laughs> where the injury is there." Oh, Ahmed said, screw you. Holy cow. That's almost like a swear for the rest of the population. What's up? It's Chris Sims. Chris Sims on button. Ahmed Farid is here. He is happy. His chest is pumped out because he is a champion, even bah, though he didn't go to that bah, school. I didn't go there. All right. But either way, we'll, we'll let it go because you grew up there. Yeah. But congratulations to your Michigan Wolverines. Thank you. That is cool. I mean, listen, I, you know me. I'm a historian. I love... You know, the powerhouse organizations, schools, whatever, you know, the, the old school yeah. uh, teams. And, and Michigan, of course, is one of the first ones you learned about as a little kid. It is the best fight song. Hail to the Vixers is right up there. It is, it is arguably the best uniforms in college football. Yep. And, of course, it's a pretty damn special stadium. And it's good to see you guys back in the national championship combo. It was. You're right. I didn't go there. Yeah. But uh, since I was 10 and got into football, maybe it was nine or I think it was nine or 10. Right. I've been watching Michigan football. Yeah. Like one of my first memories was watching Cordell Stewart oh, throw the Hail like Mary. A, oh, yeah, Colorado. I can remember sitting on the couch while I was watching it live. That, that pained me. Like yeah. I was sick to my stomach for yeah. probably five days after yeah, that. Those were some good teams. I mean, that was uh, let's see, Tyrone Wheatley, oh, right? Yeah, Bianca Batuka oh, type of ter- territory there. It's like we had all the quarterbacks that were all the same, like Elvis Gerback and Todd oh, Collins. Exactly and right. Big tall white pocket Tom passing Brady. quarterback. Right, <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady, who they were like. Let's get one that's also white like that, but a little more athletic, and yeah. we'll try to replace the goat with him. The and, new wave and, of Drew Henson. And Drew yeah, Henson, that time. Yeah. right. Uh, really uh, cool. It was all. I watched it with my son. He was into football this year, I've told yeah, you. And for you. My dad was there, and my mom. And so it was It was a fun night, and it wasn't that stressful of a game because I was pretty confident going in. Yes. I was like, Alabama, I was like, they could definitely lose this game. Right. Washington, I was like, I'm like 90% sure they're going to win. Yeah. Because I thought they were going to give Washington. I don't, Washington had not seen anything defensively no, like, like Michigan that. showed no, them. No, I mean, listen, I'm not a college football expert. I thought Washington would play it closer than that game actually was. Like, well, I mean, it's it's a hilarious game, right? I mean, my son looks over at me at one point in the fourth quarter, and he goes, because I let my son stay up too. He wanted yeah. to watch it, right? And he goes. This is the closest blowout I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, that is the exact way to say it. Like, it was a blowout, but you were like, they're only up by seven? Like, are they really, like, somehow maybe going to go down the field here and tie the football game or whatever? But at the end of the day, it goes back to what I always say, okay? It's still a sport about size and physicality. And the first drive of the game, I went, oh, no. Oh, no. Washington's defense has no chance of stopping this group here, right? Washington's defense can't stop the run at all. They just don't have enough dudes, right? And that's where I would go. It was an underwhelming game as far as watching. It wasn't like the most exciting. Michigan, the management of the game, the fact that it was a seven-point game, I was like, is Jim Harbaugh and company really going to, like, blow this? Are they going to mess this up even though they're dominating the game, right? fourth down calls. Fourth down call was bad for a guy that's usually really conservative. That was not the moment to not be conservative. When I saw that, I was like, Chris is rolling over his grave right now. I wanted to be like, why would you not just punt it, pin them down there? You'll probably get the back. Look at this peacock we got back here. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in Chris Sims' podcast history. Wow, look at that. 
Peacock has made it. It's a big week for Peacock. It is a big. It's a big week for the Peacock. What a pretty Peacock you are. I wonder who's in that costume. You you ever wonder about things like that? Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm disappointed. There's not a few more colors in the feathers, like NBC Red. I mean, what an imitation Peacock that is. I mean, dude, disappointed. Um, Morgan, come back when we do the Chiefs too. (laughs) Can I say one more thing though about that game? (laughs) Yes. Like the college football committee did not get it right. Okay, they did not get it right. You've heard me say this a bunch of times. I'm going to say it one more time. Yeah. And I know it doesn't matter anymore because yeah. next year we go to 12 teams. But the goal was to pick the four best teams. Not, oh, this team won the conference, so we definitely have to give it to them. Or, yeah. oh, this team did this, so they deserve it. I don't really give a shit about all that. Mm-hmm. The four best teams, it was very clear who they were. They fucked that up. And that fucked up our viewing pleasure, and it made it for a boring national championship You game. wanted to see Georgia versus Michigan in the Either national Either way. All game. I know is the four best teams in football were clearly Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. Period. Like, period. I don't think it's even close to have the conversation with Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State. How do you think Ohio State's feeling? They're going, wait, we were at Michigan driving down to win the game, yeah. and we don't even get in the conversation, right? Georgia, as you've heard me say a million times, is the most dominant thing in American sports over the last three years. They lose to a guy who is the greatest coach in college football history, and they don't even get a chance to go play for it. Yeah. It makes makes no sense to me at all. Well, in so. the there was this one time, and I'm, I'm trying to remember this what it was. There was uh, an undefeated camp. team uh, out of Boston, New England, and they played this team. I think it was uh, from New York, the New York area yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. I think they were what nine and seven or something right. like that. Well, okay, so, they won. So I think that, they won the Super Bowl. Okay, but would, see, that's it's, it's a different thing though. That yeah. doesn't. So where I would tell you that year is they were one of the four best teams, the Giants. They just shit the bed continually through the. Regular season, yeah. Eli Manning didn't play that great that year, you know, so they didn't come together to the right time, right? Right, but they also got a chance to prove it by getting in the playoffs. It's just, like that's, that's I don't disagree. I do. Michigan think, and like, Alabama would have been a battle of the titans. It would have been way better Michigan, to watch. Georgia. Michigan and Georgia, yeah. excuse me, whatever the hell I said. Y- yes, uh, yeah. I think you make a, like a valid point. At some point, the games have to matter, right? right? And we can't. We're not going to go in the NFL, and if the Ravens lose to the Steelers or something like that, or whatever, the Bills lose to the. We're not going to be like, well, the Steelers, yes. I know you won, but let's be honest. The Bills are better, so we're going to move them on to the next round. At right. some point, the games do have to matter, Yeah, but you make a valid point, but we don't need to worry about it anymore. No, we don't. Hail to the victors. Year. Way to go, Michigan. Hail to the victors. Jim Harbaugh. You're finally ha- happy for Jim Harbaugh. And I you're a good buddy. Yeah, I, uh, I respect Jim Harbaugh. I really do, and I was happy to see that. It's, I'm, I know that's been something that's been bugging him for a long time, so yeah. I'm glad to see him finally get that, that championship. And I do wonder. I don't know. And you, I, Florida, you and Florida have talked about this, too. I think for him, I think he's past the point of trying to, like, woo an NFL team. Like, I think for him to go to the NFL, and I don't know what Mike's been telling you lately, but just, like, my impression, like, watching Jim over the last few years, I feel like a team's going to have to go to him and be like, you're our guy, you don't need to interview for it, like, we want you, just come. And I think then he would go to the NFL, but if he has to, like, compete and do multiple interviews with, I don't know that he's... I maybe I'm I know, wrong. I don't but. know either. He's a hard guy to get a read for, yeah. right? He yeah. is. He really is. And 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 like I, I mean, one with like him, I don't. I I always want to just go. Damn. I mean, you're, you're the king of the castle at Michigan. Yeah. You got it rolling right now. It's all like go, and it's still yeah. going upwards. Like, what you want to leave? I mean, to me, it looks like you might win another one or two or like three. Saban, you know, it's just like some could say you're at the top, and yeah. it can only get worse from here. You but. finally got it at a place yeah. here where it's just gonna it's gonna continue to roll uphill, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's where. 
Um, but but there does seem to be this yearning of him wanting to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And right to, for most people that have had a taste of the NFL in any capacity, you know they, they usually love NFL football. That's it's what he played in. Yeah. He did coach in it for a little while, right? He sees his brother. You know, there's it is an even playing field. It isn't a committee saying who is. So you like you yeah. feel like you totally earned it when it gets all said and done, right? And I, I don't know what to say with him either. Last year, Denver told him he was the guy. He said yes, and then he said no, mm. and then he said yes, and then he said no. That's what happened last year. They did not want to hire Sean Payton. They laid out the red carpet and said, Jim Harbaugh, we want you. And he said yes, and he said no, and then as I know it, ownership flew to him, and when wait, please say yes, and he said yes, and then they landed back in Denver, and he went, eh, no. Hmm. And that's kind of how it went down. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's the general gist. It's going to be one of the most fascinating like coaching carousels yeah. that we've had right. in a long time. Yeah, right. With Bill Belichick out there, Harbaugh out there. My, my guy Ben Johnson's not available. He has to continue to be the offensive <laughs> coordinator grinding. for the Lions. We'll get to that game here in a second. But what we're going to do on this one is we're going through all of our super wild card games. Yep. You've done some deep diving because we have a few rematches here. And there are some that you could like, well, we can learn something from that matchup. There are others you go, we can't learn anything. So we still want to talk about it, though. Um, so we'll go through all the games. We've got the Big Bud Awards. We're going to bury some teams. We've got poems. So we've got a lot to do. Right. We've got peacocks walking around in the studio. So as you, as you know, things are, things are happening right now. And we start with breaking news. Are you serious? I am not joking. Damn. Can you give me that? I don't even want to look. Ian Rappaport. What team are you talking Ian Rappaport. Yeah has said the Bears what? are making staff changes as offensive coordinator Luke Getze and members of his staff have been fired. Wow. Adam Schefter says after extensive meetings Monday and Tuesday, the Bears are not making a head coaching change. Matt Eberflus officially is expected to return for the 2024 season per league sources. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised by that. I am. I mean, I, I felt like, you know... Justin Fields, Luke Getze was gaining momentum. I liked what they were doing on the offensive side of the ball. I think it fit with how their defense played and the way they wanted to play as a total team. So I am, I am surprised by that. You know, I was one that you heard me the last few weeks of the year. I was like, don't upset the apple court in Chicago. Everything's going in the right direction. They're one of the most dominant teams in football down the stretch, yeah. right? So that's where I, would, I am a little shocked by this. Uh, and, yeah, I kind of liked what Luke Getze had kind of grown the offense into around Justin Fields. And, it was, of course, we saw them make a lot of plays. They ran the ball will, well. Justin Fields was playing really well. DJ so Moore got involved. DJ Moore was yeah. very involved. It was one of the best running attacks in football. So, by that, yeah, I'm going – I'm thinking, wow, we finally got some positive things here around Justin Fields. Why would we want to upset that? So, that is shocking to me. Hmm, I wonder where they go. I know. It would be interesting to see where it goes. That's tough for, for Eberflus. It's like you can stay – friends have to go yeah i, I know i guess uh, yeah, what he was forced i guess is is that the, i guess what we're saying here i don't, don't know. know we're not yeah, sure we don't know yeah it's 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 it's, it's interesting uh but yep or I, or he said he said hey i'll stay i'll just get my friends out of here you know, <laughs> it was the opposite opposite thing all right so that's interesting breaking news we could have more breaking news throughout the podcast we don't know we just said it's going to be the craziest coaching carousel and then right on cue we had breaking news all right let's get into our first game here mm-hmm. because you tweeted out to everyone to the homies uh, the theme of tomorrow's podcast is is most important non-quarterbacks of wildcard weekend. Who yeah. is yours and why? So the homies chimed in big time on this big one. Big time. Way to go, so homies. We'll get to those. Uh, the five seed in the Browns taking on the four seed in the Texans. Saturday, 4.30 on NBC and Peacock. Our coverage begins at 3 o'clock. we got an hour and a half 
post game show. Matt Casey is furious. Apparently, we're going to be on, right the, on TV the whole day, yeah, on Saturday, the whole weekend. Kind of feels <laughs> yeah, like pretty, pretty much. Um, yeah, we'll be just in that studio, Studio One. So the last time they played was Week 16. Yep. The Browns beat Houston 36 to 22. What 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 did we learn in that game? Uh, no C.J. Stroud. Yeah, correct? big deal. No C.J. Stroud, no both starting defensive ends, right? No Jonathan Greenard, mm. no Will Anderson. So that wow. certainly was you know, three very important players to the Houston Texans football so team. The, the, the fact that those three people are back in yeah. some capacity yeah. make this a much closer game. Well, I, 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 I do think it'll be closer, yes. I mean, one... You know, the great thing is when you play a team for the second time, right, the Texans are going to be like, okay, wait, we know what to expect from them a little bit. Like, holy cow, they were big and fast and caught us off guard the first time. Now we know what we're dealing with here, right? Yeah. So they're going to have, you know, all their attention knowing the animal they're going against in the Cleveland Browns, certainly. You know, I think the, that the defensive side of the ball and for the, the sake of the exercise of what mm-hmm. we're doing, right, yep. the, the most non-important quarterback, No, most important non-quarterback. <laughs> most important non-quarterback. Yeah, the least important the player on the field. Yes, it is, you know, it, I get into that, and I it definitely is to me. I go more to the Texans' defensive side. I say that one. I think Cleveland's favored to win this football game. I'd be shocked if they were not. But also within that, right? I don't expect. Houston's offense to be able to move the ball consistently on the best defense in football. I don't expect that, right? So where do do I expect the expectations to change a little bit? Well, I hope that Houston can make some adjustments here to where Cleveland doesn't score 36 points on them and Amari Cooper doesn't go for 265 yards, you know, through the air again, right? Mm -hmm. So the ones I looked at more than anything, I did. I put the Texans corners in this for for a few reasons here. You know, Stingley, uh, Steven Nelson, And Desmond King, one, Cleveland's running the ball better than they were uh, at that point of the season on Christmas Eve. They've they've kind of figured that a little bit. I think they've got these tackles in shape to where I think, oh, okay, they're going to rely on the run game more than they did the first time around. All right? So I think the Texans are going to need more people in the box, right? They're not a big defense, um, but they got speed and everything along those range. But I think they're going to have to worry about that a little bit. So you'd want to favor that to a degree. But the other thing is, too, the coverages they play in Houston, uh, and we talk about this a lot, like when we talk about the 49ers and how to attack it the last few years, what do I always say? You know, they take away the 10 to 15 yard throw. Right. So you got to throw the ball down the field. They kind of call your bluff. Flacco and company did that a little bit. What do I always say with the 49ers too? Like they try to take away the middle of the field. Shanahan goes, wait, I kill everybody here. Don't let everybody kill us there. Right. He tells his team that. So where do I always say the last few years you're playing the 49ers, throw the ball outside the numbers. You know, they're corners. It's playing a zone, but it really, ends up like a man-to-man more times than not on the outside. Flacco can throw the ball outside. He did that a lot in the first matchup. So that's where I look at the corners to go. And of course, the defense has to play better to where, yeah, they're going to be put, they're going to be put in some spots where it's, yeah, it's you and Amari Cooper one-on-one. So that's where I kind of put the onus on them a little bit to not only play better and be a little safer. Okay, give up the 10-yard completion. Don't give up the 80-yard completion down down the sideline, right? So that's the one thing I look at, the severe has to change in this matchup for Houston to have a chance. A few of the homies agree with you here. Nitin Mohan says Will Anderson for Houston, him being available for that. Houston D-line helps them get to the pass-happy Flacco. No doubt. It plays hand-in-hand there. Yeah, they need him to make those key defensive plays to have a chance of winning. Alex Jansen says, or Jackson says, Cleveland's offensive line. Got to protect our new investment in Joe Flacco. So there it is. Uh, I, I I would agree with all those. They're all good thoughts. 
You know, Alex Jackson, you're, he's right about that. They got to protect. They got to be careful about that. You know my thoughts about that. Kevin Stefanski, who sounds like he might win Coach of the Year, and I love the X's and O's and the ideas and the Jim Schwartz, you know, uh, hiring and all that. But you know, I, I'm still going to say it. I worry about their management of the football game. I do. I, that, that, that to me is one of the things to watch out for. I will say it again: the '85 Bears, the '86 Giants, um, the 2001 Bucks. The 2000 Ravens, the 2013 Seahawks, the 2015 Broncos, they, they, do, they weren't, let's go for it on fourth and seven. Let's go for it on fourth and six. They didn't do that. And they went to the Super Bowl and won. Yeah. And to me, that's what they're like, this type of team. So don't do that. That's going to be a big thing here. Uh, but I will say, Cleveland, we know, and you've heard me say, we don't want Flacco throwing the ball 45 times a game. Mm-hmm. They got in too much of a stretch of that. I, I do think that there'll be a little more emphasis on the run game in this one. And hopefully that, you know, for Cleveland and Joe Flacco's uh, case, that, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, last time they played, Houston outrushed Cleveland 72-54. to 54, right. So neither team really was a world beater no, in that category. No, not at all. Um, it wasn't just Cleveland running out the clock, too. They had just 2.1 yards per carry in the first half, and so yeah. they just were unable to run the ball. No, no. Like, I, I, you saw my notes, right? And I think I wrote, at one point I wrote, halfway through the second quarter, points would be great for the Texans, but they can barely get a first down, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it was. And that's where I do worry about it a little too, mm. right? That's where I worry about it. I watched the Houston Colts game from last week, you know, before I went back and watched Houston-Cleveland one more time. Houston's worried about their O-line. You heard me on Sunday night go, damn, I thought Houston ran the ball too much, right? I thought they should throw the ball. Well, watching the film back, and this is why I'm always glad I watched the film, because TV can lie to you. I understand why they did it. They couldn't block Indianapolis. They could not. Their game plan was basically get the ball to C.J. Stroud's hands. Let's not throw the ball too much because we only think bad things can happen because we can't protect you know, they got George Fant, who's been on a whole bunch of different teams, playing a right tackle. Sure. Scruggs, I think I wrote in my notes, the, the right guard. You know, the interior part is not great for their offensive line. They have issues. Scruggs, 70 being the weak link of the group there, gets beat a lot. It happened in Cleveland. It happened against the Colts. I just That's what I worry about. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to have a lot of consistent success against the Cleveland Browns defense. Where I give them a fighting chance, and you've heard me say this too, Cleveland is in your face a lot of the times in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's to stop the run or the pass. To where there are certain plays where you're like, well, if they run the ball here and he gets past the first line of defense, like there is no other, there is nobody else, yeah. right? It's literally like nine guys are one yard from the ball. And it's like, if they break through, watch out, right? It's just going to be him and the safety. Kind of the same thing with some of the coverage they do at times, too. You've heard me say it. Like, it's like, it's all three corners, bump and run, man to man across your face. Like, literally, like, we're not going to let you throw a three yard pass, you know? But. That does make it, whoa, Nico Collins deep with one of the best deep ball throwers in C.J. Stroud. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see the game can make. I don't expect consistent long drives from the Texans, but with C.J. Stroud, can they make some big plays in the game every now and then to where it can kind of make up for the lack of consistency? And I I, I could see that happening. I can, yes. Nigel Bryant says Jim Schwartz is his most important non-quarterback. While this Browns defense has been historically dominant, they are dealing with significant injuries to all three levels of their defense, and the Texans just played them, so Bobby Slowick has better film to dissect. Yep. 
Um, he goes, also, in case the show is still searching for a homie that wants to sponsor Inside the Notebook, <laughs> I'm more than happy to. Thanks for the great and consistent content. And so we will do that. Let's do it. Let's go Inside the Notebook, sponsored by Nigel Bryant. Well, Nigel, we're going to write a, a bill to you. You're going to be getting it. It's $7,000 uh, to do this. Uh, so we're going to look into your notebook here, specifically some of the things that you have mentioned already about this Browns defense. Browns defense is so aggressive uh, and crazy. Is that and crazy? Yeah, and crazy. Yep. Not my best handwriting. They will give you a chance to make three or four big plays a game. Can you take advantage of it? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, even in the game against the Texans the first time around, you know, they do so much, right? And they're so into, like, wait, you're in this formation, we got this defense, and then you switch to another, you know, you motion somebody across and the formation change, and they get to a totally new, different defense, right? To where they will mess some things up every now and then, too. I mean, they blew a coverage or two during the game where, like, Case Keenan got hit just as he was throwing. You're like, oh, my gosh, he's uncovered. He's wide open. He's going to go down the field. They had a play where they faked the run to the left. The fullback acted like he was going to block the linebacker and then continued up the field. And Keenum couldn't get the ball off. I mean, we're talking wide open, yeah. at least 60 yards. That's what I mean. They're going to have a few chances. Can you take advantage of it? Can you be calm enough? See, it, quarterbacks miss plays like this all the time against Cleveland because it's like every play is like, whoa, duck, duck, whoa, I have nowhere to throw. So then you have a little time. And everything, and all of a sudden, it's just like, oh my god! You everything's hastened up and fast, and like fast in your brain because they're all over the place. They do a ton of different things up front, so mentally, you're always juggling that. D, on the secondary, they're aggressive. They play a ton of man to man, but they have it's not like stupid amounts, right? They yeah. know when to go. Like, hey, let's play the zone here. Or let's do that. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see to see where this goes. The, to me, one of the things that's going to be. Like, the Texans got to block it up a little bit. Keep some tight end in. Keep two tight ends every now and then. Let C.J. Stroud try to catch him in a play where, oh, it's man-to-man. And now I can let Nico Collins work downfield, right? Let's see if these guys can cover for four seconds while Nico Collins runs a post-corner 40 yards down the field, right? I like the chances of that for the Texans. The other thing that will be big is the screen game. Right. Anytime you play an extremely express, aggressive defense that's in your face as the quarterback, hey, come on, come up here, come get me. Oh, boop, right over the top. There's Damon Pierce, uh, you know, Singletary, whoever, now who's snuck out. And those are little avenues that can give them a little advantage against this Browns day. Protecting both quarterbacks, like you said, too. And the thing with the Cleveland Browns is last time they played the Houston Texans, they did protect Joe Flacco. It was the only game this season where he has not been sacked. Yeah. Was sacked eight times in his other four four games. Now, you mentioned they didn't have those guys on the edge. Yep. Um, so, and, and Flacco, we have some of the numbers for it. In that game, when he had no pressure, he threw for almost 300 yards alone, 20 of 28. When they got a little pressure around Joe Flacco, uh, he threw his two interceptions and uh, incomplete seven out of the 14 times. Yeah. No, he, he's, he's prone to do that. That's where... You know, if I'm uh, the Cleveland Browns, as I've been yelling at the top of my lungs for the last month, is just don't overdo it with Joe Flacco. Don't. Right? Err on the conservative side. That's what I would say. Now, the last piece of this before we move on is that, yeah, the, the Texans don't like the blitz. So they need those two guys on the edge to be healthy, right? This, the the D'Amico Ryan defense, the 49er defense, they're not a blitzing defense. They mm. want their front four to get there. So that'll be big. Uh, so that's where the two defense ends will help out. And then certainly the other thing, too, that really jumped out to me, 
and you hear me say this a lot sometimes with, with this defensive scheme, not everybody understands how to attack it, right? They don't understand the rules of this 49ers D'Amico Ryan defense. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand how they pass things off. And you remember, you hear me say, like, they go four on three or three on two. And you got to figure out how they're passing it off and how they're working that little three on two zone. Cleveland showed a very good understanding of it. Mm-hmm. He, to me, Cleveland showed the ability of, like, we get your rules and we know how to fucking stress them and put you in some problems. And they did that. Hence, that's why he threw for 395,000 yards in the game is because of that. So yeah. that's where Houston's got to change some things up just a little bit, maybe give some different looks to, to not let Cleveland get such a groove offensively. I'm super excited about this game. because either way, either way it goes, it's a really compelling storyline, right? If the Cleveland Browns go out there and Joe Flacco's dicing up that defense, that's amazing. Yes. Right? And yes. if Houston goes out there and it's C.J. Stroud and he's one of the best rookie quarterbacks that we've ever seen and now he's doing it in the playoffs, that's super compelling. I'm not just saying that because it's on NBC. No, I, I think it is super compelling. I'm, I'm with you there. You know, I, I'm totally with you. It's, it's one of the most exciting quarterbacks in football, right, who likes to chuck the ball deep. And then we got a defense that's literally like, we don't want you to chuck it one yard. We're, not try- we're trying literally to have you negative yards yeah. every play. Yeah. And that sets up for either, you know, superb, awesome plays or disastrous, awesome plays. And yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch that. Old Greg 001. Remember him? Yeah. He was the one that oh, said that he was yeah, going to put his yeah, life yeah, savings yeah, yeah. on Texans plus two. Right. Uh, you told him not to do that, yes. but you said you would bet him $20. He responded. Good. But it go, Greg, Greg says, one. I'm good. I was just trolling anyways. <laughs> As a yinzer, it's my duty to try to piss off any Browns fan I can in the comments. <laughs> I like it. If the Browns lose this game, it will be because of Flacco turnovers and not the defense. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I, I really like it. Hey, old Greg, I appreciate the honesty there. That, that's what I like on this. But yeah, self-scouting themselves, yes. coming out, coming real there. That's, that's cool. I'm down with that. Uh, Pete says he will take your bet if you're still up for it. Oh, he's okay. He's taking the Flacco's bubble will burst angle. Okay, mm-hmm. ju- uh, I'm on. I'm with it. You and Pete, twenty dollars. Me and wow. Pete. Yep. Old Greg, you may have just lost Pete twenty dollars. That's crazy. <laughs> um, all right, so four thirty, four thirty on NBC on Saturday. We will see you there, and then that night, that night we'll see you over on Peacock, and uh, the mascot. I don't think the mascot will be there. Although who knows? You know, you never you never quite do know. Oh, it's a little hello. bit it's a little freaky looking, to be quite honest with you. Um, wow. Peacock, you gotta go down a little bit more so we can see you. There, there we go. go. Yep. Um there's yep. don't have any body parts sticking out. We don't want to scare the kids at home. Oh, right? here's the QR code on your screen Look right now. That. So if you're on Peacock or if you're on Mo- I'm over well, here. If, you're, if you're on Peacock, you don't need the QR code. So you're right. here. Don't right. do anything. If you're on YouTube and don't have Peacock, get that QR code. Although I still don't know how you Scan a QR code if you're watching on the device that you want to scan the QR code with, like a phone. Like, if you're watching this on your phone, how do you scan that QR code right now? That, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> that's, it's above my pay grade. Has, any, has Aunt Wendy or anyone complained to you about this game being on Peacock? No, not yet. I haven't heard it yet. Now, I'm sure I'll hear it this weekend, right? You know, Aunt Wendy watches oh, the Wendy, yeah, pro yeah. football talk show that streams free every day. So, but she's not paying the five ninety nine. I'm going to have to probably guilt her into it and be like, man, I'm not worth five ninety nine. Like your 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 godson's not yeah. worth five ninety nine, right? Yeah. It's very sad, right? I know. I know. What a sad peacock we got back here. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I've I've seen some chatter out there of people complaining about it, you know, and they go, I, I got to get what, what I got to get Peacock for one game, and I go, no, not no, you can get it. We didn't say you had to like. Would you look w- on Twitter for the chatter? <laughs> I mean, I Twitter's go. literally like, oh gosh, the sun's out today. How horrible! There's like at least forty percent of the Twitter users. It's like you can, they're never happy. And like I get it, we're clearly biased, and it's just like it's I, it's complicated. I get it, you know, it's just you want to flip on NBC, your old old comfort blanket or whatever it is. And just watch there, but uh, we got this game on Pika. It's going to be a lot of fun. It gives us an opportunity to do some different things throughout the second half. You're going to be working the whole game basically now because it's on Peacock because we don't have as many commercials in the third and fourth quarter. Oh, right. So we're in studio doing yep. some stuff there. I got so. you. Uh, Pete says here you can scan a QR code on your phone. You open up the camera app, click camera mode, and lens, and then open up the image that has the QR code, and the code will be scanned. Yeah. I still couldn't do it. Yes. I feel like that's Peacock confusing. Understood it. Yeah, that's what Google does. Uh, uh, Morgan, Pete wants you to stay there for the rest of the podcast. He just wants you to sit there with your legs crossed. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely has like mascot. Have you done mascotting before? Yes. Oh yeah, this definitely. Showing. Yeah, this is yeah. showing right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Morgan, Morgan, you you are excused. You can uh, return to your normal duties. On this podcast, Way look at go. that kissing everyone. Can you make us? Can you make a peacock sound? Do you know what a sound a peacock makes? Yeah, I, <laughs> that's probably. that's a chicken. What <laughs> <laughs> old deal? Uh, all right. Well, this is. I what think we, they yell like oh, peacocks. Like, yeah. I think they're kind of like yellers. Okay. I don't think they uh, might be kind of freaky. Yeah, they kind of make like weird noises. Actually, okay. it sounds like a, the boogeyman right. almost. We'll, br- we'll bring back uh, Morgan next week, and she can yell like an actual peacock next time. So, all right, we've gotten that all out of the way. Okay, uh, it will. Be, I mean, this is this is Patrick Mahomes five ninety nine. You own Patrick Mahomes for the night, taking on the Dolphins. I mean, this is uh, we talked about the weather being in the tens. I think it's going to be colder than that. I think it's going to be in the zeros. It's awesome. It's going to be cold. Uh, the Dolphins might not like that. So let's just start with your your most important non-quarterback in this game. So you, Tua's out. You can't talk about Patrick Mahomes here. When we're watching this game on Peacock, who's who's most important? I'm going to cheat here oh. and not go with a player on the field, hmm. but yet a coach. Okay, that's fine. By the name of Mike McDaniel. Ooh. Yeah. This one's, this one's on him. You heard me talk about a lot of the time about being patient, right, with the run game. I still think they can be even more patient with it, even compared to even the last week against the Bills, right? Here's the thing after – and listen, we've broken down Miami a lot. Yes. Okay? We, we have. And I've discussed that, hey, the good defenses, Kansas City being one of them, knows how to stop play can, uh, the Dolphins' offense. We saw that. I mean, it was, it was almost a shutout in the, the first matchup in Germany, right? I mean, the Dolphins got their second TD off of Mahomes fumbling, backed up, and that's how they made it uh, four, four, 21-14. But Spags does all the things we've talked about, right? You know, tactical gambles, changing up coverages, understood, you know, getting hands on receivers, not letting Tyree Kill have free releases all the time, right? You know, tactical, ooh, this is a crazy blitz, but I can't stop everything. Let me take a chance every now and then. You know, has the defense aligned to make the game kind of gritty and physical, which the Dolphins don't like, right? There's all those things. They understood, like, take away screens, take away the toss sweep, right? 
and you take care of a lot of things in their offense, then you just worry about the middle throws like we talk about all the time, right? They understand all of that. Where I get into Mike McDaniel is this. I've never seen this, what I'm about to say, so pronounced ever. Like, I can't remember anything in recent history. They need to come up with a game plan purely on two deep, one deep. Two deep, one deep. Like, hear me out here a little bit. When teams play two deep, they can't throw the ball. They can't. They're like an average throwing team when the teams play too deep. And, of course, everybody wants to play too deep on them because of the speed they have at receiver, right? Mm-hmm. They become, like, way below average, right? When, they play, when teams play single safety, they can throw the ball, but they can't run the ball worth a lick. Like, they're not dominant enough up front to be able to go, like, they can't be outnumbered at all, right? If there's one extra guy, it's like, nope, it's not going to work. The play won't work. We're not good enough at it, right? So – where I come to it, and I've been saying this about the two deep, run the ball, right? Stay patient with it. Don't let these teams continue to play safeties 30 yards deep, and we're still trying to throw the ball to Tyree Kill, right? Call their bluff. He goes through periods of the game like that and does it. It's got to be the whole game, right? That people have caught on to them. It, and especially this week, cold weather, Tua. Tua's arm is below average for an NFL starting quarterback anyways. What do you think it's going to look like this week up there in that cold air, right? So this is where it's the most pronounced, the two touchdown drives that the Dolphins had the other night against Buffalo. I mean, it's literally that, right? Two deep, ran the ball, successful. One deep, throw the ball, successful, right? Throw the ball versus two deep, not very good. Run the ball versus one deep, not very good, right? They need to be truly a two-deep, one-deep football team. Package the offensive game plan like that. Hmm. And blue 45, send Tyree kill in motion. Blue 45 said, hut, don't snap the ball. Dummy snap count. Let the safety show you what they're going to do. All right, now... Now get to the play, right? All right, coach. Oh, it's two deep. We're going to run the ball with what I said in the huddle. Oh, it's one deep. Here's the other check to it. We're going to throw the ball. I really believe like they have wow. to stay true to that. It's as, it's as pronounced as I've ever seen a team that I can remember where I go, I've never seen a team that literally can't throw it against two deep, but you know, runs it well enough. Can't run it versus one deep, but th- can throw it. And I think that's where the game plan has to be, especially this week. See, now what they do a lot of the times, too, they need to motion and use the dummy snap counts. They like to motion and say, set hut, right, and snap the ball and be like, and everybody be like, oh, no, the motion's so fast and all this is happening. Teams have figured that out. So I would act like, hey, we're going. Here we go. Set hut, hut. And he goes across really fast like we're about to run the play and get the defense to show their hand a little bit. And now you can check, 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 get to the play you need to get to. That was something that really jumped out to me watching the Kansas City game, watching last week against Buffalo, let alone you know I've been on that already to a degree, but it just even hit home more after the Buffalo watch. That's interesting. Uh, Dynasty Mad says Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan versus Isaiah Pacheco. The game is going to be a battle in the trenches, he thinks. Everyone is writing Miami off, which is a mistake, says Dynasty Mad. I agree. Miami is a killer. Heel is running to set up the pass and then never running again. I think they have an edge in this 100%. one. 100%. In the depth over Kansas City. Let's go to uh, our Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS, and you can double-click on this whole thought after I show you what Devon Achan has done this season. He recorded plus 279 rushing yards over expected. 
the second most in the NFL, despite totaling just 103 carries. Uh, he also averaged a league-high 4.4 yards after contact per carry, the only running back under 200 pounds to rank within the top 10. He's an explosive threat, he for is. sure. He is. Um, when, once you get him the ball, he can break a tackle, and then he can go 100 yards. And so only Christian McCaffrey had more yards overexpected. And right. Again, this means like where the defenders are, where you are, how big the hole is. I can see all that. Listen, he's got great power. He's got great strength for his size. There's no doubt about that. Now, like, we're, hey, let's not just read stats and go, oh, well, he's a power back, right? There's some context to this here. Like, I know he has, like, Isaiah Pacheco's not there, right? I'm still taking Isaiah Pacheco to run up the middle and break more tackles than Devon, Devon Achan, yeah. right? Achan's the man, but let's just think about what they do, right? Almost, he's, not, he's not doing that within running up the middle. You know, they get out on the edge, right? Usually he's in space. He gets arm tackled a lot, or he gets people flying to go, oh, gosh, we got to get outside to get him. I'm running like crazy. Oh, no, he's stopping, and now I have to put the brakes on, and oh, he ran through my arm tackle, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like Jerome Bettis. Like, he's like, boom, 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 boom. So, you know, there's some context to that and that they get him in spots that help him and are are conducive for success for Devon Achan, which they should. To that, and he's done an incredible job. But yeah, that is uh, one of the keys to this game is running the ball. And our man at Dynasty Mad, like I'm, I'm proud of some of our comments so far from the homies. Like, he he said it right. Miami's Achilles' heel is running to set up the pass and then never running again. Hmm. It is it is kind of that way, and they need to be better at that. Hopefully, the cold weather will do that to them, and hopefully, the fact that they see this and how Kansas City defended them the first time. And they realize, oh, we didn't run the ball enough that day, and we got to change a few things up here. I don't know that they have learned that lesson because it was just last week. I mean, you look at the rushing attempts in the first half versus the second half. They had 17 in the first half. They had three in the second half. Robin, this is some some of it's game saying. flow. I get it. Some of it's game flow and whatever. And no, you're three but it's, now. It's, it's 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 you get it, but it, it's like you don't get it. If you watch it with me, you'd be like, well, I, I don't get it actually, Chris. I don't. I don't understand. Hmm. Like, well, what are they doing? You know, and, and I think to my point there too, where like if they have one negative run, they kind of get scared. They're like, "Oh no, we, I don't know if we can do this again." Right? It's scary, right? Where this is again where I'm talking about the motions with the dummy snap counts to help them because a few of the runs in the second half too, where I think they got scared, like Buffalo tricked them. Right? They thought there was going to be too deep. They say set hut, and then at the last second, Poyer or Micah Hyde rolled down, and now it's oh crap. There's one more guy in the box, and the run game goes for nothing. So. Um, uh, I'm a big uh, believer in that. I'm going to continue to hammer that home even when our pregame show on, on Saturday afternoon. So let's get some of the homies. Most important non-quarterback, Tyler Z says, sup, homies. Sup, Tyler. What's up? My most important non-quarterback is Chris Jones. He said today it's possibly his last ride at Arrowhead, and they got to step up this week in the freezing cold and put some pressure on Tua and the Dolphins. Love yeah. the pod. Keep up the great work. Thanks. I, I agreed there. You know, and 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 in Chiefs' perfect world, if I'm them to reverse this, I'm playing cover two and going, my front seven will kick the shit out of you no matter what, mm. and we're not going to take the chance, right? Yeah. Because, like, this matchup, I said to you on Sunday, right, who should Kansas City be rooting for? I would have been rooting for Miami to win so they would have played Pittsburgh. I wouldn't want to see Miami if I'm Kansas City, right? I do think there's a chance they can win this football game. Again, there's a Kansas City offense that's not very good, and 
really had a hard time moving the ball against the Dolphins. After they scored 14 points, I mean, they couldn't do anything in that matchup. The Dolphins showed an understanding of their rules, their offense. They manned them up when they wanted to, and they could not separate at all to where I go, like, you know, with the way the Chiefs' offense is this year and where this game is dangerous is, like, you take one chance on bump and run, single safety, and Legereus Sneed slips, oh, no, it's 80-yard touchdown, Tyree Kill, right? Or you take one chance and I go a little too crazy with the blitz and they call some crazy reverse with Tyree Kill and now he's around the corner and, oh, no, it's him one-on-one with one guy and if he doesn't make the tackle, it's a touchdown. Holy shit, we're kind of outplaying Kansas City but or Miami, but we took a few too many aggressive chances and now it's 14 to 3 and we're down and our offense ain't very good this year so that's where I'd be careful if I'm Kansas City and I would definitely err on conservative early and seeing if the front seven can just fuck things up themselves all right that was inside the numbers powered by AWS talking about the way that the Chiefs can potentially stop that running game and the way that the Miami Dolphins should continue to double down, triple down on that rushing attack. A couple more here on the Kansas City offense. You kind of switched it over on that side yeah, of the sorry, ball. Maybe, maybe the of, Chiefs. Well, no, yeah. we got some on that. Half postmodern says Matt Nagy. He is, is he going to continue to implement the Alex Smith playbook for Pat, or is he going to fumble about with or is he going to fumble about with his terrible plays that didn't work in Chicago either? Fumble about. Oh, yeah. I've never heard that hey, I, I turn mean, of phrase here on the. Yeah, does sound, uh, he might be British. That's yeah. a good point. I, uh, I I do agree with that, and I worry about that. And you know, watching back Chiefs offense versus Dolphins defense, and you know my thoughts about the Chiefs offense, and they got to embrace the ugly a little bit and all mm-hmm. that. And they're not; it's not going to regain magic here all of a sudden. Like when I watched the game, I, I mean, I, I know you saw my bottom line. The last thing I wrote was like, I don't see anything where I'm like, the Chiefs can do this, or this time around, they're going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, other than run the ball and take some shots, right? That would be the, the only thing I look at. I didn't look at anything schematically and go, ooh, if they do this or they do that, Miami's in trouble. Miami was all over their stuff. Miami, again, can cover. Pretty good, man-to-man. I would worry about that. We know Kansas City has had issues. This, this to me, is a game where, you know, I do think Miami's going to give them a few shots and go, go ahead, see if you throw the ball down the field. All we do is see you guys drop it or fuck it up all year, so we don't really think you'll make it happen today. Yeah. I'd take a few shots like that, and I think Kansas City doesn't do it enough anyways to back people off. But, um, you know, that, that's, the, that's the, the, the big, I think, uh, takeaway from that game all they're all overall – you know, the run game, I think, you know, is a possibility, of course, for Kansas City. I like their RPOs. That would be one thing I should say in the first matchup I definitely liked. And with the injuries of all the pass rushers from Miami, yeah, they did pass protect well the first time around. Now, you know, I don't love their pass offense, but if it does get into a passing game, I do think he's going to have time to let people get open and find little holes and windows. Speaking of injuries yeah. on the defensive line, our next game has a big one, the yes, Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. in Buffalo, taking on the two-seed in the Buffalo Bills, Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern on CBS. Mateus says his most important non-quarterback is Nick Herbig, yeah. stud rookie fourth-rounder who will be a big part in filling in for T.J. Watt. Looked very good against Buffalo starters in the preseason. Agreed. I mean, he's you know, it's like, of course, T.J. Watt it stinks he's not going to play, Stinks. right? 
You know, it's a, it's a Buffalo offense that, you know, I don't look at it to go it's high octane. I go one guy's high octane, right? You know, and he makes a lot of it work. Uh, and that's why, you know, again, the other night he played phenomenal. It was 426 yards of offense through one guy. It's kind of insane, right? And that's where a T.J. Watt would come into handy. Like, oh, you're running the quarterback sweep around the edge? Oh, Ted. T.J. Watt hit you. You fumbled. Yeah. Oh, you're buying time and running around like a chicken with his head cut off? Oh, T.J. Watt hit you. Strip sack fumble, right? I mean, that to me was one of the avenues in which they could win the game. I like Herbig a lot. Herbig and Alex Heisman is, is not like I look at it and go, oh, man. they. No, that's still a formidable duo there. Definitely. Uh, but this is a good pass-protecting O-line uh, with the Buffalo Bills. And, um, you know, it, it, of course, hurts to not have T.J. Watt out there. So when I was covering Big Ten football, yeah. we had a couple of games in Madison, Wisconsin, and there's a new coaching staff there. But they still talked about Nick Herbig because they were like, we just need a few more dudes, yeah. you know, like like love football, like just like we'll do anything, yeah. just are crazy, right. insane. In the weight room, throw psycho, their, throw, throw their, their body bodies. around. That's right, exactly. Right. And they were like, we need right. like guys like Nick Herbig was yeah. that guy in the right. building. Shocker, I mean, they, the Steelers they, drafted him. I know, yeah, right? right? And so it's like he, yeah. like Wisconsin missed him a yeah. lot. Yeah, he's got the Steelers DNA, right? I mean, he's he's there. The Steelers are always smart. They always have one guy to replace one of the guys, whether it's the contract or an injury, yeah. but they're not going to be like, oh, we only have two pass rushers and that's it. Yeah. They, throughout time, I've always had, oh, this guy's coming off the bench. Are you fucking kidding me? This is their third outside linebacker? And he fits that mold for sure. In the one regular season game that he played more than 30% of the snaps, that was against the Patriots week 14. He had a team high seven tackles yeah. when he performed yeah. when he got his chance in the regular season. How about you? Who is your non-quarterback but still most important? I like Matias's pick there. Herbig is a, a big one, of course, for the obvious reasons. The, the the one I went with here was just like the Steelers O-line, right, for a base thought. Yep. Steelers O-line, I think a lot of this Bills D-line, they're a team that the front four has got enough talent and depth to it. They don't have to blitz a whole lot, right? But where I say the Steelers O-line is more through the running game. You know, hey, there's no doubt their offense is better ever since they made the offensive coordinator change. They're better with Mason Rudolph. You, you've heard me tell you why. He's willing to stand in the pocket, let plays develop, throw the ball down the field a little bit more, right? And even though he's willing to stand in there and let the plays develop, if it's not there, he checks it down. But because he stood in there and let it develop, the check down is more wide open as well. So that's where they're benefiting from, from Mason Rudolph's play, 100% there. But where I look at this one, too, is – you know, the Bills, they're extremely well coached on the defensive side of the ball. They don't want to play a ton of man-to-man. They'll dabble in it every now and then. And they want to really don't want to blitz and keep their zone pressures back deep. And McDermott, as I always talk about, I have everybody in the right spots, right? So that's where the O-line and the run game are big. You know, the O-line and the run game, to see if you can get Buffalo a little bit. This is like what Cincinnati did to them last year in the, in the divisional game. It was, oh, no, Joe Mixon, we can't stop the run. And all of a sudden it becomes, oh, shit, now we have to go one-on-one with Chase and Higgins. And, oh, shit, now we're down 27-10. That's not for us. Mm-hmm. right? I can kind of look at it that way, too, right, where – you know, Buffalo, if they can force Buffalo into, hey, we're overpowering you a little bit, they don't want to be in man-to-man against Pickens and Deontay Johnson a whole lot, right? They'll take their chances from time to time. But if they live in that world, Pittsburgh will be aggressive and throw the ball down the field, and that, of course, can, can swing the tide in their favor. On the other side of the ball, Samuel Taysier says Minka Fitzpatrick and Najee Harris for Pittsburgh. Harris kept, uh, keeps number 17 exactly. off the field there while you go. Minka needs to pick off. 
17, at least yeah. once. I, I, I think that's that's a fair assessment. That is. You know? That's where you look at the T.J. Watt thing and go, ah, that stinks. Because you're, you know, for Pittsburgh to win, they got to create one or two of those type of plays where the defense creates chaos and causes Buffalo to do something bad. And then, hey, uh, at, at Samuel T- uh, Taysier, uh, I hope I said that right, you know, um, you're, our thinking's alike with the run game and Najee and pound it and chew up the clock and then see if he can get some beneficial matchups on the outside off of it. What's the biggest blowout on paper for you right now? I know you haven't finalized your picks yet, but I what's know. the most lopsided matchup? I, I don't want to. Like, the only thing I'm reluctant to say it out loud is because I'm, I'm such in a heated thing with Florio right now, and he likes to like listen to my football knowledge and then base his picks off of that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but he's going he's gonna to cheat off He's you. a cheater. But, but, but. I do have an answer for you. Is, is it this game that we're talking about right now? No. Mm. No. It's the first one we talked about. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Can I, could I see Cleveland up 35-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I can. I'm sorry. Or 28-7, to 7, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the one that worries me. Mm. You know, I don't want to ever say Houston's out of it with that quarterback and what they do, but – that's the one when I really evaluated the matchups where I found less ways for Houston to upset them than other teams and that were underdogs coming up this weekend. So you think the Steelers can give the Bills a game? I, I, I definitely do. Yes, I do. You know, they're, they're creative. They're well thought out on defense. And this is not a juggernaut on the offensive side of the ball, let alone they have the type of guys with the creativity in the background and then the two pass rushers on the edge, even minus Watt, to where I don't think he's going to be able to run around crazy all game long, right? You know, he's going to be playing with fire if he thinks he's going to be just, you know, making backyard plays, play after play after play against Pittsburgh. I, I don't think so. And then, yes, I do worry, you know, Pittsburgh slowing the game down, making it ugly, Naji on some, you know, it's a 14-play, 75-yard drive that goes for seven minutes and five seconds, right? I could see Pittsburgh doing that once or twice, and all of a sudden we're sitting there going, oh, shit, we're in a ball game here. Like, Buffalo's in trouble. They're only up by three or they're down three or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think this is like just lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Sunday, 1 o'clock on CBS. We like to cross-promote. I why, why are you saying that? Is that? Well, because I've made a few movie references in this in the show so far. Yeah. And Pete's funny going. He gets in my ear and goes. He goes. He's not going to get that reference either. <laughs> so yeah, it just. I was like, that's a great turn of phrase to like end that segment. I actually kind of like it. I thought you just invented it. Um, <laughs> it's a good movie, actually. Lock, stock, and barrel. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Oh, yes. and two smoking yeah. barrels. Yes, really good one. Guy Ritchie film. You know, Guy Ritchie. Remember I've him? Heard that name yeah, before? He for was sure. Married to Madonna. Remember yes, that guy? Yes, I right? do remember that. Yeah. They're no longer married. No, they're no longer. Oh. Oh, no, what happened? I, it's Madonna. She's, I don't know. She's on to other There's things. There's a shelf life yes. to her marriages. I get <laughs> right. that. Uh, there was a shelf life to Mike McCarthy and his marriage with the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Uh, well, maybe. It was with the Packers. It could be short-lived with the Dallas Cowboys, too. Jerry Jones saying that he's on a week-to-week basis, basically, <laughs> here. We'll see how the playoffs go if he's yeah. going to stick around. But yeah. it is the Mike McCarthy Bowl, 430 Eastern on Fox. Uh, the homie's got some good ones here, but let's start with yours. You know, where, where does this game hinge? Who is the non-Dak Prescott, non-Jordan Love player Aaron who could Jones. turn this game? Aaron, oh. Aaron, Aaron Jones, right? There was one, say, great Aaron there, and now there's another great Aaron there. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I talk about him um, 
because we've talked about Dallas. Dallas defense is awesome. We know that. But there are some teams that match up against Dallas where you go, I don't care how good Dallas is. This is going to be a tough matchup for them. Green Bay, I think, has the possibility to be that to Dallas. Mm. I do. Green Bay has been can run the ball. They've come alive running the ball. They've figured it out. Healthy up front. Jones is healthy, right? He's special. You give him a little crack or an inkling, and he, he can make the most of it. So I say him not only because I think they have the bigger, more physical unit there, and I do think they can push – you know, Dallas around a little bit like we've seen some teams do that beat Dallas, yeah. right? That could be some big plays in the run game. I also think even in the pass game, he's a big, th- big problem here, right? You know, uh, you know, I don't think very much of the Cowboys linebackers. I don't think they're all that good. You know, they do play man-to-man a lot in Dallas. We know that. You know, that's they they when you play too much man to man, they will find a way to get Aaron Jones the ball going down the sideline or on some halfback choice route. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, now our B minus linebacker is going against this A plus tailback and he's running down the middle of the field for sixty yards. So that is I look at him and you know, again, not only just broader picture and I you know, our our, our I know with with uh, some of the guys here too, it's just like yeah, it's Dallas's offense is really good. Green Bay's defense has not been great. That's another reason. Hey, stay on the field, right? Chew up some clock. And then also the one-on-ones, like I talked about a minute ago with Pittsburgh against Buffalo, same yeah. thing. Except, there's, I mean, Green Bay's scary. If Christian Watson is healthy this weekend, right? With Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and uh, Wicks or Dobbs or whoever, that's a tough three to match up with across the board man-to-man. And we know Jordan Love and company will throw the ball down the field. Well, you're going to be very happy with the, with the homies because yeah. they are in your brain right, yeah, on this good. one, too. Cheese Curd 19 says, Aaron Jones, Packers are probably going to need long drives to have a chance. Can't depend on the D this week. There you go. Jared Kate says, Aaron Jones, he always shows out in Jerry World. Just two career games at Dallas. He has 232 rush yards, 84 receiving yards. He scored five touchdowns there in he, the two games. Yeah. He fits first that scheme a little oh bit, and you know even before Dan Quinn, it was a similar scheme. So it's not like um, like you know that that's a stat that actually holds. It's not like well that was a different regime. Who yeah. cares about that team? There's actually some some stuff there to that. So let's triple down on that. Yeah. Let's go inside the numbers again, powered by AWS, and it's all about Aaron Jones. What he did week 18 versus Chicago carried the ball 22 times, 111 yards against that defense. Yeah. Since returning as the Packers lead back in week 15. He leads the NFL in rushing yards, ranks second in rush yards over expected. Yeah, he's got tremendous power for his size, right? Almost like we were talking about with Devon Achan a few minutes ago. I mean, it's, it's a similar type of guy. Home run hitting speed, right? They're, I, I, I mean, I think we're talking three games in a row of over 100 yards against pretty good defenses again, too. It's not like they've been playing slouches. Nobody ran the ball against Chicago the last half of the year. Hmm. They ran the ball up and down the field on them. So uh, that's, I, uh, you know, I, that's where this, this could be really good. And what I think Green Bay's really good at, I, I think, keeping you off their run game a little bit, too. You know, they run their reverses, 
right? They got some checks and balance. Their play-action passes and their boots kind of keep you off of it. But if yeah. you start to play, overplay one aspect of it, LaFleur will give you something to screw you over. That's why we see like Jaden Reed and the reverses throughout the year, all of that. Uh, you know, again, Dallas is favored. I'm probably going to pick Dallas. But I do look at this as, you know me, I like to point out the game or two that I look at that I think could be the upset of the weekend. Yeah. Green Bay would be one of the games I would look at to go, this could be the upset of the weekend. This, this could happen. I'm st- like I said, I'm still probably going to pick Dallas. But if there was one to happen, this would be one of the, one of the ones I would pick. There's one other one, too. A.J. McKinney says, Jaden Reed for Green Bay, single-handedly giving Green Bay a more dynamic passing attack go. from the slot. And correct me if I'm wrong here, I think that you have – appreciated what Matt LaFleur has done more this year than maybe in previous years. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I, I think he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers telling him what to do anymore. So he's getting to run his offense. Yeah. Right. A few weeks ago, I told you, I go, I mean, Green Bay is as creative as anybody. The motions and I mean, they motion twice on some plays. They literally yeah. like shift motion, set HUD blue 45. And then he motions again. You know, they're, they, they do a lot They're I love their offense. I really do. Uh, you know, I think I said to you on the pot a few weeks ago, maybe it was one of the days Connor filled in for you, but I was like, I mean, what would this offense look like if it was Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Mm. Why would he not want to run this? I mean, it's, it's very creative, a lot of moving parts, yeah. and uh, very quarterback friendly. I think as we're finding out, Aaron Rodgers may be stuck in his ways a little you bit. Think? I think Just a little. We might be figuring that out. Uh, Just that, a was, little. that was inside the numbers powered by AWS. I was thinking about... Jordan Love. Yeah. The other day. Because remember 2020 when you came out with your quarterback rankings and the initial ones you came out with? Yeah. I you had, Jordan Love. You had him above of Tua. Right. Above Tua. Right. Then yeah. you adjusted. Yeah. Your dad talked you out of it. Yeah. My dad talked me out of it. Just, justly so. I think. I, but, but but that's a conversation. Well, now. because, yeah, I saw Jordan Love's top end potential. You know, that's the hard thing about ranking them sometimes because you go, wait, this guy might be better in year one, but this guy in year three right, or four, and a little maturing and seasoning in the NFL, he has more tools to play with, right? And, yeah, it is, you know, again, people will think I'm crazy because I say it, but, yeah, I think it's a little more of a conversation than I think the normal fan would realize. Yeah. You know, I, I do. Jordan Love can throw the ball down the field. He can throw the ball with people around him. He can throw the ball off his back foot. And you know my thoughts with Tua. I mean, Tua, it's pretty limited in where he can throw the football, and it holds the Dolphins' offense back. Even though he did lead the NFL in passing yards. Yes, he did. This year. Yes, he did. Uh, Peter. Oh, boy. What? Zahorandy. 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 Hold on. Where? Oh. Zahorodney. Zahorodney. I don't know either. Peter, we're sorry. <laughs> Pete thought I should the short short circuit. Maybe I am. I think this is uh, this is the season has been too long. He goes. Brandon Aubrey had two missed uh, field goals last game after being perfect. So yeah. that is his important non quarterback. He missed player. one. Right. He had one blocked. Right. I think it was one was blocked. Okay. Yeah. It was a sloppy day. Mm. He's still really awesome, but it might come down to him. Mm. I mean, he's he's amazing. He's a weapon. I mean, he's he's. The most dangerous kicker in football right now, and my first team All Pro kicker for Ooh, my team. Okay, yeah. I mean because it's like you get to the you get to the fifty yard line, and this guy's got a chance. You're like seventy, sixty seven. I mean, he looks like he's capable of like yeah. doing that. He's insane. It's like Justin Tucker in his prime power from sure. Aubrey in his leg, which is is pretty amazing. Yeah, you just hope we saw last year with Brett Maher. Right at the end of the season, he started to struggle. Yeah. Maybe there's something going on in Dallas yeah. there. He's nervous, but yeah, he's been he's been solid. He's been awesome. Just a couple other names. 
games. Danny Witcher says Jair Alexander. If he gets torched by CeeDee Lamb, it is game over. If he can control him, I think Green Bay has a great shot at an upset. I hear that. I don't I don't disagree with that as uh you know, either. Uh, of course, it's 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 priority number 1 to stop CeeDee Lamb. Mm-hmm. They have formulated the whole offense and basically making him the number one read almost all the time. So where I do find this interesting too, and you've heard me say this um, about Dallas, Dallas, it's not complicated what they do. They're talented and the quarterback's really damn good and they're pretty aggressive, but it's basic and it's McCarthy, basic West coast stuff. Joe Barry grew up John Gruden, West coast stuff. I mean, I was there with him. So he's going to know some of the rules of this offense, mm. uh, which can, can make things interesting as well. Um, yeah, it's, you know, Jair is definitely going to have to play good, have to be on an island a few times. It's, it's unfortunate that they don't have their other first-round corner from Georgia and Stokes, you know, available yeah. for this game, or at least I don't think he's available. So we go from the Mike McCarthy Bowl to the Matthew Stafford or Jared Goff Bowl. Lions, Rams, Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Our coverage begins at 7.30. You, me, the Football Night in America gang, I'll be sweating. I'll be pitting now. I usually do during that show anyway because it's so stressful <laughs> doing that, but even more so uh, yeah. in this one. And I do feel bad. It's like it, everyone's like, oh, it's the Matt Stafford Bowl, right? But really a lot, like he's, he shouldn't have a chip on his shoulder here because the Lions hit him a solid, right. giving him a chance to win a Super Bowl, better team. Yeah. And well, I think like, it's, it's that's all the there, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, agreed. The it, other side. With Jared Goff, there's the chip. There's the chip. Rams gave up on him. Agreed. That's why it's the Matthew Stafford ball. Because, like, one, nobody gave up on Matthew Stafford. That's true. Right? Uh, yeah. And he won a Super Bowl with the other team. Everyone loves him. Right. Yeah. So it's like a little bit of like that, where Jared Goff is still trying to beat off haters and whatever else to prove that, you know, he was that guy. And, and, and of course, got to the Super Bowl with the Rams, didn't win it. Yeah. You know, there's still talks this year that, you know, it's on the fence with Jared Goff. Is he really the future of the football team and yeah. all? that uh I, i'm really excited for this football oh my game gosh. you know hey your lions are favored we know that i told you in the last game that that could be a game where i see an upset hum- happening same thing in this one i think these are the two games i could see most likely an uh, upset happening i don't even mm-hmm. think that would be shocking to people with this one maybe as much as some of the other ones uh you know lions obviously the better football team i would favor them for sure but yeah there's some things here that certainly i look at and go oh, this game could be really close and the rams certainly have some avenues to win the football game. All right, so you can't pick Matthew Stafford. Right. You cannot pick Jared Goff. Yeah. Your non-quarterback, who is the most important in the Stafford I go to the Rams D-line. Okay. The Rams D-line. I think the biggest thing I worry about is that aspect of the game, right? Where I, you know, the Rams defense is, is good, right, Amin? But it's not like, it's good more through the coaching rather than the talent on the field, hmm. right? They're not there yet. Right. I mean, we knew that going into the year. Right. I, I would challenge most people on the street if they weren't from L.A. and we just went and pulled somebody here in the office and said, tell me somebody on the Rams defense other than Aaron Donald. Name yeah. somebody. Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> right. And I don't think most people would know. Yeah. Right. That's to my point. Is there they're young, a lot of unproven commodities and they're doing it with the X's and O's and then the offense helping them out the right way. They're playing complete team football where I worry about the Rams and where they're better than a lot of years past is, you know, they they're bigger up front on both sides of the ball. But, you know. They're not super talented on the defensive side of the ball. And I would worry about, yes, the Lions being able to run the ball at will on them Mm. or at least start running it to 
the point of its such success that now they're really compromised, of course, with the great Lions play action pass game and some of the stuff they do there. And they don't exactly have shut down man-to-man corners to where I'd go, well, if the Lions run the ball really well, then the Rams can load the box and play some man-to-man and they'll have to do that a little bit. That's not who the Rams are. So that's where I look at for like the most important matchup of the football game yeah. to whether the Rams want to win the game and pull off the upset or if the Lions want to blow it out and control the football game. That's kind of, to me, the tipping point right there is can the Ramsey line hold it down? Yeah, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. Kobe Turner could be the defensive rookie of the year. Yes. He's played a, a ton for the, for the right. Rams. Uh, Mark Floyd thinks Rams defense but thinks the secondary guys. He goes Rams corners. Over the season, they have had way too many blown coverages, and that won't fly versus a good Detroit offense. No, it's, it's the, you know, I think I, listen, I hear you. That's what I was kind of saying with the Rams front, right? right? right. As they just, the Rams front's going to have to play really good because, you know, the defense and the secondary needs to be somewhat conservative. They want to play zones, pass things off, do things like that. Uh, if they get into, oh man, we have to be too aggressive to stop them around and play man-to-man or blitz zone too much, yes, I think that that will be Goff and Amon Ra St. Brown just tearing them up. If you're a Lions fan, yeah. which I am, yes. I would think I would think Aiden Hutchinson, a guy like that, uh, Detroit Lions defense, can they mess up the game enough for the Rams? I thought about Aiden Hutchinson for sure. I did. Um, 100% I thought about, you know, that. The, here, here's the, I mean, I worry about your secondary against their passing game, right? I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, your, your secondary gives up a lot of big pass plays. Like we've said the last few weeks, I mean, Nick, Nick Mullins, played two games against you guys and almost throw for a thousand yards basically right i think that's all i gotta say (laughs) now so stafford this offense creative stafford way better than nick mullins or some of the other quarterbacks your defense has played this year it's mcveigh they got nothing to lose he's got two weapons that are really damn good he's got a good tight end right and then you know the running back is a superstar Right now, the one thing I think that does help you guys, and Liam McNeil, I believe, is back for you guys this week. Yeah. One of your bigger guys in the D tackle position. You guys are good mm-hmm. at stopping the run, right? The Rams are different, as I said, on the defensive side of the ball with being bigger. Same with the offensive line. They're a different group on the offensive line than they've ever had in the Matthew Stafford era. They're road graders. They can move some people in the run game. I, I, I got to see it to believe it that they're going to be able to consistently move your Lions defense that way. But if they get that going then watch out. We're going to be in for a shootout, right? If they get Kyron Williams going and running, which, again, I I think they will to a degree. If you made me bet, you know, they ran the ball on Baltimore. You can pretty much, I feel like, run the ball on anybody. Yeah. Uh, To where if they can get that going, then I start to think we're going to have one fucking awesome game on Sunday Night Football where it could be like, you know, 35-28, 34-31 with a lot of big plays, play action pass, bombs, all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I'm excited for. Yeah, you're right about Aleem McNeil came back last week, played 30 snaps last week, so he is back for him. Uh, Yeah, plenty of... I didn't watch that film last week, so sorry. I I did not watch Detroit on film. Plenty of comments about the players that you mentioned. Barad831 says, Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua. Rams can go far if they beat the Lions. Uh, Brandon Panikar says, I'm going to say Aaron Glenn for the Lions. Some head coach interview request, but needs to focus on the task at hand. And here we go into that again, where I think Ben Johnson's been requested by basically every team that has a head coach opening, and Aaron Glenn has been mentioned as well. So, guys, focus on the You got a good thing here. You got a good thing. A lot of money in Detroit. Just stay there. Be a coordinator. Get into the Hall of Fame that way. Sloan Head says C.J. Gardner-Johnson. 
Dude on a mission since last Super Bowl and fresh. Will he make the difference versus Stafford? Hashtag all grit. Yeah, I like all those thoughts. They're all good, right? Uh, is this, it's a great matchup. You know, there's a personal nature to it. And, yeah, like Stafford's going to be happy and want to prove to the Lions fans and show everybody, like, hey, look how good I am with a real team around me, right? <laughs> right. This is what we could have been. Jared Goff's going to be going to be like, fuck you, Rams. I'm going to show you that I'm pretty damn good. Eat this crap, right? Yeah. Certainly. Uh, I am, you know, Aaron Glenn thought, very interesting, certainly. I thought about him as well for this conversation. You know, the, the, thing, the thing, too, because I'm going, man, you know, you know, the thing that's amazing about McVay – the O-line we talked about, Hunter Higgory's a pretty good run-blocking tight end. He's not bad at that. But, you know, their, their ability to get Puka and Cooper Cup off, open mm-hmm. and how they play them off each other, to me, is extremely impressive. And how the way they do it, they make it basically impossible to where you can double them. You can't even really double them. Because they're always next to each other. So what are you going to have, like, fucking seven guys over two guys over there, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and they motion and move so much that you want to double, and they do motion or move or something like that. Whoa, your rules are going to be all messed up. You sure are going to have everybody in the right place, right? You know, and they're great at stacking them next to each other. So it's like, okay, yeah, we want to double Cooper Cup or whatever. Okay, now he clears us out, and okay, he's gone, and we took two guys to cover him, and now Puka's underneath one-on-one against somebody, and he's open, right? So they're very good at that. They remind me a little bit. This is a weird one I'm going to throw at you. Yeah. When the Patriots had Edelman and Gronk, right? It's a little different way, but they would basically go like, Gronk, you go downfield, Edelman will work you underneath. Yeah. Pick your poison. Which one do you want to stop? Oh, you're going deep to stop Gronk? Oh, there's Edelman underneath. Oh, you're playing short to stop Edelman? Oh, boom, I'm going to throw a seam down the middle of the Gronk, right? They're kind of the same way. Same way. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, you want to stop Cooper Cup on the option route? Oh, Puka Naku is running a 40-yard corner route. He's open now. They're very good at that, and uh, that'll be, be cool to see how the uh, Lions defense defends it. I can't wait for this guy. I mean, I can't, I can't believe that I'll be part of doing some of the coverage for it, you know, because little Ahmed, when he was growing up, would have been watching this game glued to the television for every snap, and so I, I'm excited about it. And I think I'm biased, but... I think it's the most compelling game of the weekend. I, I really, I feel. I, I think by, by I, I think, I don't think you're wrong there. I, I, you know, I think Dallas and Green Bay has the name power, yeah. right? Because it's that, okay? But I think, yes, the Stafford, golf, the trade, the Rams being unexpected, the Lions answering the bell of what was expected, first home playoff game in forever, first home playoff game at the stadium ever altogether. I I think this has the most storylines of all. And I think maybe really the most potential to be the most exciting game of the weekend, too. So I, I would agree with you there. I don't think yeah. you're just biased that, that way. place is going to be so loud it is. inside it definitely the is. field there. Uh, the Buccaneers get to host a playoff game. Our final one to talk about here, the Eagles travel to Tampa Monday night on ABC and ESPN. Are the Eagles really this bad, as bad as they have shown us the last six weeks? Are the Buccaneers good enough? It looked good at times, but the last couple of weeks, a little shaky. Yeah, a little shaky, definitely. I mean, not, not good football by not the Buccaneers football. the last two weeks. I mean, not good football by the, the Eagles either. I mean, yeah, this is kind of, uh, in my opinion, the st- stinker of the weekend. All right, still intriguing. I get it. But, I mean, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, it's the 9 and 8 Bucks who 
barely beat Carolina last week and then got dominated by the Saints the week week before that at home. And then it's, oh, hey, it's the Eagles, losers of five out of six. Oh, great. I mean, yay, woo. So it, it is a little bit weird. It's kind of like which one's going to find their footing here. Um, I think the, the the guys I looked at to be most important in this matchup, I mean, there's there, I, I couldn't even – there were so many in this one. Yeah. It's such a weird game. It's a hard game to get a feel for, right? Uh, I got re- great respect for what the Bucks have been doing. I think that's the first thing. I mean, they got what? I mean, the Bucks got some young football teams, a quarterback that nobody wanted, eighty million in dead cap, mm, right? Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're here and doing this is is impressive in itself. And they don't quite get the respect they they deserve, whether that's Antoine Winfield Jr. or uh, you heard me before the podcast with Yaya Diaby, right? He's a guy, I'm, I, I'm watching film with them yesterday going, holy shit, like this guy is like way better than I've given him credit for. In fact, he should be in the rookie of the year for defense conversation. That's what I said to you uh, mm-hmm. uh, before the pod started. So I am excited to watch this. But getting back to the point of what I was mumbling about there is that the two guys I'm going to look at are the Bucks middle linebackers, right? Uh, Devin White. Levante David. Levante David was a little banged up. I'm not sure of his injury status for this week. Maybe, Pete, you could look that up. Um, but either way, where I think that's important, we know and I think that the Eagles, they're going to look at this week and go, we, 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 we got to get the run game going. We Devontae Smith banged up. A.J. Brown yeah. probably not going to be 100%. We got to run the football. I would think this is a big run the ball with Jalen Hurts game, too. And that's where I put it on the linebackers. One, we know they got some RPOs and whatever that makes it tough on linebackers. They still have the best offensive line in football. They don't do enough with that offensive line, and that's why they're not dominant as they should be, right? But, I mean, again, Mylotta is – he's an all-pro. I mean, Lane Johnson is – we know how awesome he is. The three guys in the middle are awesome. I mean, Landon Dickerson's all-pro-ish. Jason Kelsey's all pro-ish, right? I mean, it's sick. They don't do enough in the run game. I think this is the week they're going to break out some stuff in a desperate situation, almost like we always hear the Bills, like in a big game, they're going to break out the Josh Allen run game. I think they got to do that for Jalen Hurts this week if they want to win this football game. And that's where I kind of look at it to go. Devin White, Levante David, you got your hands full with the traditional run, let alone some of the stuff Jalen Hurts scrambling and the quarterback design runs are going to pose some challenges for that Bucks D. Gary Crazy Biker has Whoa. tweeted into us. How crazy of a biker do you need to be to have that in your Twitter handle? I, I, I don't. Are you like? Are you like pedaling biker, or are you that crazy fucker that's on a motorcycle that's going through traffic? You know, not in a lane, <laughs> but in between two cars. Yeah. And then when I try to switch the lane and you come out of nowhere, you go, "What the fuck are you?" And I go, "Well, yeah. you're not in a fucking lane. I didn't. I mean, well, you're you're breaking the law, but you're mad at me for changing a lane. <laughs> Could be either one. I feel like that one does not have Twitter. No, I feel like that one is just not on the internet. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, so Gary, uh, Gary says Antoine Winfield Jr. He is the Bucks' best player. Agreed with that. I mean, he was my all-pro safety, 100%. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. We didn't even talk about that yet, right? The fact no. that he didn't make the Pro Bowl is insane, right? I mean, it's insane. That's yeah. a problem with fan voting. Again, it's some of the smaller market teams with really good football players, yeah. you know, go under the radar and nobody really knows. Winfield's been the best safety in football this year for my money. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to have a big day. You know, a little bit like the linebackers. Yeah, he's going to be, you know, every now and then have to come down and help in the run game. Oh, shit, I got to, you know, cover the tight end. Goddard one-on-one here. Oh, 
oh, no, I got to, you know, cover one of the slot receivers here man-to-man. I mean, they use Winfield for everything. He is, like, an amazing, an amazing football player. Um, this, 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 even though it's like we said, the teams aren't playing their good, there, there's, you know, some fun things in the matchup here. Yeah. And, you know, it's a really big Bucks defensive line, mm-hmm. right, to where I do look at it and go, oh, you know, maybe they can slow down this run game and not have to put too much into stopping the run game and doing it that way. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how this one plays out. This is one I really – I don't know who I'm going to pick yet, and I'm kind of going back and forth as I as I think about it. It's kind of a chance for either one of the teams to have a little momentum, right? It's like Definitely. get things right a little bit. You're feeling good off a win. I was like, I don't know. Whoever wins this game, I feel like – they probably get some confidence going into the next round. Yeah, sure, sure. And, you know, hey, Darius Slay, you know, his ability to come back and play. The corners are secondary for Philly's got to be better. I mean, they've been crap the last few weeks. Last week they were horrible. And now you got to you got to tackle, you know, Godwin and Mike Evans. And, and right, and I mean, Tampa likes to push the ball down the field. So if Tampa can protect a little bit, I do think they'll be able to make some plays in the pass game against this Philly yeah. defense. All right, so you are not making your picks until tomorrow. Tomorrow. But DraftKings Sportsbook has the odds of which team is most likely to reach the Super Bowl, AFC, NFC here. So of both conferences, the 49ers have the best chance of getting to the Super Bowl. They think, I believe, that the NFC is a little Just bit weaker. weaker. I think the they're in a class there. of their own in the NFC. So they're minus 125, Cowboys the second best and then Eagles and Lions there at plus 800 over on the AFC side you got the Ravens they're the favorite at plus 120 then the Bills who were almost not in the playoffs at all how crazy is that I don't know that we'll ever see that again I mean I know maybe it, it, will, every now and then it happens weird yes uh, and then Chiefs third at plus 500 then you got the Dolphins uh, after that and so these odds at first glance they make sense to me. Well, the NFC, I get it. Totally, right? The Ravens, I understand their odds to get to the Super Bowl not the same. Because, yeah, like you said, the AFC is a little more dangerous. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, the Chiefs, we know it's still Mahomes and that defense. And they're going to be a pain in the butt. And they're not going to go down easily. The Bills, we know, I think have some things that match up pretty good with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um the one that's being disrespected on that graphic, like, is the Browns at plus 1,200. Mm. I'm just telling all of you out there right now, go to DraftKings Sportsbook, and if you have an extra $100 or whatever, mm-hmm. bet it on the Browns, mm-hmm. okay? I like their chances to go to the Super Bowl more than I like the Chiefs or the Dolphins. Wow. I don't even think it's close. I'm going to tell you that. Again, they give me shades of 2015 Broncos. Going to say it one more time, all right? The, the, the 2015 Broncos had maybe the greatest quarterback in the history of football playing on their team, but it was his last year of his career and by far the worst year of his career. They went to the Super Bowl and Peyton Manning threw nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions, right? And they went to the Super Bowl <laughs> and beat the 15-1 Carolina Panthers with the MVP in football. But the thing they did was they understood what they were halfway through the year, and they played through that defense, right? And that's, again, that's where you heard me yelling at Cleveland again. Stop it, Cleveland. Just kick field goals and keep playing defenses. And at the end of the game, it's going to say 30-7. to Instead, they want to make it 30-7 to in the first quarter, and they're going to gamble and lose one of these fucking games. Like, hey, even in the first time around with Houston, playing uh, Cleveland playing Houston on Christmas Eve, yeah. the end of the first half, they're on the one they, – they throw a ball into the end zone, a jump ball that gets intercepted and leave points on the board. Like, just kick another field goal. Wow, what, what are we doing? So, 
Come on, Cleveland. Hmm. All right. All right. All right. Some some gambling advice from Chris Sims. Yeah. Only if you have an extra $100, bet it on Cleveland. Yeah, if you yeah. don't have it, don't do that. If, if it's a loan bet from your parents. Bet on what you want to bet on. Don't forget on <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook this NFL playoffs. New customers can bet $5 pocket 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app. Use the promo code UNBUTTON when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The the crown crown is yours. So now we go from that song to our next song. It is the final, the season finale in the regular season of the Big Butt Award. It is we that time. Like big butts and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Oh. Time to give some love to these Woo. big guys. Some it, touches. It's a couple sacks, forced <laughs> fumble. He's a butt-ting superstar. Woo. Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheat. And this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Woo. That's one of the bonuses you get if you're watching and not listening to the podcast. Is uh, you can right. do the I robot. I actually don't know what I'm thinking there. I'm thinking there's graphics up and that you won't actually see me. <gasps> peacock is being arrested. It's been arrested. Arrest him. That wasn't the real Peacock. Oh, my gosh. What just happened? Being escorted out of the building. What a little asshole Peacock that is. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, it's off the rails here. Morgan's right here. So somebody, I don't know yeah. what's happening. Somebody stole the, 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 the peacock. actual to, Peacock. Well, we're they were like, wait, we're NBC. We're supposed to have different colors on our Peacock. You're, not pe- a, you're an you're imitation. Right. Right? Imitation Peacock. Right. I mean, Get you can't be the NBC here. Peacock. Get the real like Peacock in right? here. Damn. Uh, we're going to do this Jeopardy style. Uh, so we'll start with a defensive tackle. And here's the question for you. Oh, no. Last week, this D lineman said, quote, coming into the season, I just wanted to break the record here. Gosh, this is, he said this last week? This yep. person? Yeah. I mean, what a vague thing to say. <laughs> like, holy crap. Yeah, what hold record? On. Where's here? I, 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 oh, hold on a second. Who broke a record last week? Josh Allen. It is not Josh Allen. This is a D tackle. This is Derek Brown ah. from the Carolina Panthers. 103 tackles, the most for a defensive lineman in NFL Damn. history. And Pete heard me talking about this during the game the other day yep. when they were playing. I was literally, you probably heard me too. I was saying it out loud. How about that? Damn. He's, he's again, another guy in a small market that is an all-pro caliber type talent. That's what he is. He is big time. One of the best defensive tackles in football. And the only guy on that defense that could stop the run. I mean, by far. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a big-time player. Yeah. Uh, those players only get recognition and shout-outs during the Big Butt Awards on the Chris Sims Unbutton <laughs> podcast. Um, first career Big Butt Award for Derek Brown. Uh, he was your number one defensive tackle in 2020. Oh, yeah. Beast. Number seven overall pick out of Auburn. Edge. This edge is hitting the playoffs in stride with five sacks in his last two games. This edge is hitting the playoffs in stride. Five sacks in his last two games? What? Hold on. I'm just pulling up the teams here. Pull up the teams. Five sacks in his last two games. Games. Yep. yep, he's going to the playoffs. I got that. Chris Hold is on pulling a second. Up the stats from the last couple. Damn, of weeks. five sacks in the last two games. Who am I missing? Who went off on a run like that? Holy crap! I'm still not there. Hold on, give me one more second. Hmm. I am really, really clueless. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the pride of Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, it is Aiden Hutchinson. Wins for the second straight week. <laughs> I thought about season. it, but I knew you picked him last week. I was like, I like, don't he's think not gonna so. do it again. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But I, this is the time when I need to double down. Oh, yes. My bias is certainly uh, affecting this. But he had eight pressures tied for the most among edge this week. He played 67 snaps the most by an edge this week. You know I like that, too. Uh, got to. And according to PFF, he finished with 101 pressures. Tops, one of the tops in football, that right? Is second only to Micah Parsons, who had 103. Yeah, right. And, you know, so again, this is where, to me, sacks are a little overrated, right? They are. You know, I like, hey, you talk about the guy in the Rams, right? Uh, Kobe Turner. Yeah. You know, he, great stuff, great stuff. But he, he started four games, guys. The Rams' D line is not that superstarish. He's, some of those sacks have fallen the right way for him, is all mm-hmm. I'm saying. If he was that awesome and dominant, he'd be starting for the Rams all the games not, and not playing 60% of the snaps. That doesn't mean you're the rookie of the year just because you have that number next to it. Yeah. That's what I don't love about all of this right now. It drives me a little crazy there, right? Um, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, he's not going to get defensive player of the year probably because his number is sacks. I, I, I don't know. I watch a game. I don't see anybody more disruptive in football than yeah. Micah Parsons. It's crazy. He did lead in pressures this year, and he has, like, I feel like 100 fewer pass rush, you know, snaps yeah. than Aiden Hutchinson even. Yeah, right, right. Well, because he drops back. They put him, they move him all around. Things, I mean, yeah. he, he does play some stand-up linebacker still. Uh, you know, hey, my money is n- nobody – no, Micah Parsons, you give me the first pick of the draft on defense right now, I'm mm-hmm. taking Micah Parsons all day long. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, wait, do I really want to take him over Miles Garrett? I'm not sure. Okay, I'll take Micah Parsons. But it's, it's, it's those two for me. But my guy Aiden Hutchinson might be in the top He's coming five, there. He's 10, coming there. No like doubt that. about it. Yeah. Um, all right, so congratulations. Uh, no, no Kristen this week. Do we get a picture of our big butts? Nope, nope. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. Andreas is still learning the ropes around here. And he, doesn't so it's know like how to, of... he doesn't know how to picture big butts yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it takes a while. It takes a few years of getting that. Uh, so congratulations to our regular season finale, Big Butt of the Week Award winners. Now time to bury some teams and look at the homies predictions, the okay. playoff predictions. How would you guys do? Over a thousand entries, we've told you, of who's going to make the playoffs and where. Now we know all the answers. 80% of the homies had the Eagles winning the NFC East. That was not right. Yeah. I, I was one of them, I, I'm pretty sure. Two homies, Dan Drummond and Kerry Giordano, wow. had both the Buccaneers winning the NFC South and the Texans winning the AFC South. Well done. That That's, is incredible. That is, that Did is impressive. Did we ever get gear? Or swag here? No. It's going to you, no, Dan you know, Drummond yeah, yeah. and Kerry Giordano. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we, that will never happen, but we would like to give you gear. Uh, <laughs> 11 homies had the Texans making the playoffs. Just 11. Second lowest ahead of only the Cardinals, who had two. Uh, nine homies correctly predicted six of the seven NFC playoff teams, and six homies cor- correctly predicted six of the seven. So, Pete, we had no one get all of the playoff teams. Even even in one conference, uh, two homies, Spencer Macklin and John Parsons, got eleven of the fourteen playoff teams. Way to go! So that's Way to very go. good. Way to go! Uh, you, Pete, myself, each had eight of the fourteen playoff teams. That's wow. not great. No, it's I not. I don't feel it's good. It's definitely about that. one of my lower lower ones in my in my career. Uh, but yeah, you know, like you know, hey, Houston, 
Didn't think there was any chance. Cleveland was one of those teams where you went, eh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, right? You know, they got talent, but is it Deshaun Watson and what's he going to be like? So I didn't pick them, right? So, that you know, that was one for sure. And, yeah, I did not think the Rams would be back in there or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So yeah. those are certainly four that jump out to me. 30% of the pool can still correctly predict the final four, including you, including Pete. And Pete says that I did not give – my AFC and NFC championship game losers. So yeah, I will, you just gave I will, a Super Bowl. So I will do that now. Yeah, I, there's no advantage. You had to Chiefs that. and Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I was gonna do. It was gonna be Ravens for me because yeah. I almost put the Ravens in the Super Bowl. I'm yeah. like, how do you bet against right. Mahomes? And um, I don't know who I had the Cowboys. I don't know. Well, I'll, ma- I'll, I'll make it the up. Lions. I'm sure. 49ers. I don't think no? I did the Lions. I didn't want to jinx anything. I had 49ers Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Right, I believe. I picked the 49ers to win it this year. Yeah. I think I picked 49ers. I don't know what my final four was. 49ers, 49ers Eagles, Eagles Chiefs, Chiefs over, over the, the Ravens. Ravens. Well, there you yeah. go. So I got a chance to have three out of the four. Uh, we'll see where it goes. All right. We will, we're going to put the Lions for my loser. Okay. okay. Yeah, we're going to give you the Lions. Putting lo- he's putting a losing on the Lions already. Jeez. <laughs> I know. That's why I didn't want to do it. All right. Uh, Andreas, do we have the music for Requiem for a Team? We do have that. All right. So we'll fire it up here. We'll finish with uh, the poems to the, the losers who are, who are dead and now will be lowered into the ground. Now they're dead. Uh, the Vikings, 46% of the homies had them making the playoffs. That did not happen. So the Minnesota Vikings... It was a season that just didn't work, and now the naysayers can finally smirk. That's not Florio, who's a fan. The biggest show is now he may stand a quarterback by the name of Kirk. He may. He, he, he's now he's a fan of Kirk. Yeah, he is. That's the biggest shock. Uh, so Vikings, you're in the ground. Sorry, Vikings. Falcons, seven and ten, you're in the ground. Thirty-eight percent of the homies had them making the playoffs. Thirty percent had them winning the division, including you and Pete. Yep, that was wrong. If you didn't hear the chatter, you're deaf about the head coach, the team's lead chef. The last touchdown by Jameis, making Arthur even more famous by asking Dennis Allen, what the F? <laughs> well done. That's well it. done. That's chef and what the F? Way yeah. to go. That's how it happened. That's yeah. how he went out. The lead chef. I like how the you make that happen there. I had to figure out a way to yeah. get there. Uh, Saints, speaking of Dennis Allen, Saints 9 and 8. 66% of the homies had them make the playoffs. Right. 60% had them winning the division, including me. That didn't happen. The New Orleans Saints. The season is finally done. There were some moments of fun. We had a hard time on this pod trying to figure out this squad. For our sake, thank God they are done. <laughs> yep. Get them on. We just You're right. It was hard it to was figure hard. them out. When I picked them to win, they'd lose. and I picked them to lose, they'd win. So they're out. Yeah, they were. They were all over the place. The Seahawks are out. Nine and eight. Seventy-nine percent of the homies had them making the playoffs, including you and Pete. Yep. The Seahawks really wanted to soar. They wanted to run up the final score. Their biggest win was against Philly, which now looks kind of silly. Can't believe they didn't beat them by more. <laughs> really more of a slam on I the know, Eagles. Right, right. I mean, poor Eagles. Yeah. Eagles were the, Eagles were like the 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 like the the line of like how yeah. good are we like the whole year. Now yeah. it's like ah oh, gosh, it doesn't mean anything now. <laughs> Eagles like we're still in it. Why are we getting roasted here? Uh, Colts, they're done. Nine and eight. Just fifteen homies had them making the playoffs. They did not do that. So Colts. You're going into the ground. I don't want this analysis to be lazy, but the year's end makes the start a bit hazy. 
The season made fans sweat and almost caused me to forget that they're run by a man who is crazy. Like, I almost <laughs> totally forgot that. I was like, wait a second. That's how the season started. Remember that? That I, was it. I, I do remember. The yes. Colts, what's like, what are the Colts? They're crazy. <laughs> Final one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> per Steve Kornacki, they had a 97% chance of making the playoffs before losing five of their last six games. It's incra- crazy. 92% of the homies had the to make the playoffs. Yep. Uh, 89% winning the division. You, me. All of us. Pete. Everyone. Everyone. They were the second most popular division winner after the Chiefs. I yeah. mean, they should have been Pretty the incredible. Playoffs. They should not be being buried right now. The final one. Dead kitty cats. The preseason predictions were not great. If you bet on them, you cannot... Wait. Hold Go again. Go again. Go again. Hold on. on. He might have miswrote something. (laughs) I did not miswrite it. I misread it. I misread it. Edit that out. Andreas, edit that out. Here we go. Here lie the Jacksonville Jaguars. The preseason predictions were not correct. If you bet on them, you cannot collect. Nine and eight last year was great. Nine and eight this year, we hate. At least next year, we know what to expect. You know, it's just like now, it's just all about managing expectations. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? Nine and eight was great last year, and this year was awful. Yeah, one of the shockers of the year, definitely. The Jaguars falling apart the way they did. Uh, yeah, I did not see that happening. Too talented of a team to fall apart like that. They definitely got to go back to the drawing board and figure some things out. All right, thank you, Andreas, for the uh, music. Those teams are in the ground. They're buried. And this week we will bury six more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's uh, – well, I – yeah, that's right. Six, Six more. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I almost like, said uh, three. I almost said three, but I was like, I, why I was am with I saying... you too. I was like, wait, wait, how many games are there this week? I'm still getting used to this super wild card weekend and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, well done by you, as always. Creative writer you are. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And in another life, you should have been a music writer. Something right. You think, like there's that. Money, you think there's money in that? I like think there was. You, you got the look. You'd have been roasting. like the guitar guy in front of the mic, you know. You play like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's you. That's you all the way. It could be this life. You never know. It's uh, a long time. You're right. I hope not, though, because I hope you're stuck with me more than you would like to be, okay? All right, everybody. You know where to find us. Hope you're well. Uh, Enjoy the weekend of games. Tomorrow, I got the PFTPM, Chris Sims Unbutton, uh, the Wild Card Picks podcast. We'll do that. You know where to find us on social media. Tune in to Florio and I on Peacock and PFT if you ever want to check us out there. But uh, be good this weekend. Enjoy the weekend. It's an awesome weekend. Mm. Three days of great football. I know I'm excited for it. The next two weekends are the best weekend of football of the year. Ahmed, you the man as always. Thanks everybody out there for all your involvement in the pod. See you next time. Clap it up. Clap it up.